0: The game. <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How's everybody doing? Hey hey, you know what? It's early. Huh? Put the drink down. Think about it. Okay, just take it easy, will you? Could you just put the bong down for a second? Could you not vape at 10 in the morning? Could you not? How how are you still awake? I'm talking to the people that are struggling with addiction, alcoholism, drugs, whatever your thing is. Maybe you've been up all night with the porn. I don't know. But if you're struggling and you want to stop it, you just can't because it's like it's 6 a.m. and uh, you're still cutting lines. Come on, enough already. It, it doesn't age well. It doesn't get any different. It doesn't get any better. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. Whatever it is that you are compulsively doing uh, on a daily basis to uh, alter your perception or feel better or reward yourself somehow, that's all lost after the first hour or two. And then it's just a, it's just a chase, man. It's just a chase. Maybe it's distracting you. Maybe it's uh, Maybe it's making you feel well. But god let's let's reel it in. Huh? What do I got to tell What do I got to tell you? Go to a meeting. Don't worry about the god part. Just go. Just do something. Come on, man. Life is short enough the way it is. And I'm telling you, it ain't going to change if you keep doing it. Just not. It's going to be the same. I'm all right yeah that's enough now i'm going to talk to the other people how's everyone else doing how's the bike ride good how's the exercise going good good how's the uh, the dog walking they say hi to your doggie for me terrific you okay at work there you got set up you set up you got your coffee and everything how's the painting how's the shoemaking how's the uh, silversmithing what's happening you working with clay is it clay hey uh dimension of mark maron dimension today no i didn't i know i didn't because I, I know exactly what i've been talking about today on the show jay leno uh came over he drew, he was in a very shiny corvair i don't know what year it is but those are always interesting cars to see around it was red it was uh beautifully painted nicely done a corvair i don't know when they made those probably in the mid to late 60s i'm guessing the corvair was sort of a not a Corvette. I think it was made by Chevy. I'm not a car guy, so that's not what we were talking about. Me and Jay. Not much, anyways. I'm. Uh, I did buy a car, though. I did. I meant. I, I bought a new car. I did. I bought a new car. But let me. I there's. I guess there's a lot to talk about. Saturday, November 10th at 7:30 p.m. I will be playing the Beacon Theater as part of the New York Comedy Festival. Presale tickets go on sale this Wednesday, August 8th at 11 a.m. Eastern through Sunday, August 12th at 10 p.m. Get them at nycomedyfestival.com. The presale code is TNYCF. The general on sale date is Monday, August 13th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And I've got other dates coming up. You can go to wtfpod.com slash tour. I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana. I'm going to Denver, Colorado. I'm going to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm going to Phoenix for a night. But New York Comedy Festival, Beacon Theater, very exciting. It's one of the reasons I've been going out and hitting the clubs, doing uh, several shows in a row, hammering it out, finding the through lines, riffing it, so I can uh, get it all into one piece in my mind before the big show in November. So that's why I was in Salt Lake City aside from you know I go there once a year or so I believe I've been to Wise Guys many times in different uh, locations the downtown location seems to have stuck it's a it's a interest it's a, it's an odd room but it's a good room and we had a good time I always it's always a a little tweaky for me in Salt Lake City I really do want to thank the people for coming out cuz I really feel that everybody that I could possibly draw comes out to see me in Salt Lake City that's about 1000 people did four shows. I think the room seats two, 250 and change. But there's something about the weird sort of uh, mystical and cultural balance of Salt Lake City that is very provocative to me. I, I, I'm, I'm compulsively interested in uh, uh, kind of uh, the, the religious And I'm not always cynical. I'm not always negative. But the Mormons are a very specific bunch. And it's just interesting to be in that city knowing that it's all there, knowing it was built by them, knowing that it's, you know, you can go to the place where the thing happened and where things do happen. And then there's, you know, it extends out into who knows what they know. But it's just a mysterious thing, and then there's uh, the, the people that aren't that, and then there's the people that used to be that, and then there's the 100-degree heat, and then there's the altitude, and I just find myself wandering the sterile streets of downtown Salt Lake City almost in a, 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 uh, a kind of in-movement meditation but uh, I I do get tripped out. Like even flying in, you know, you fly into Salt Lake, you look out on one side, it's beautiful mountains. On the other side, there's a I I really believe it's drying up. The the Great Salt Lake is drying up, and then there's all these weird swampy looking tide pools in the middle of the desert with I don't know some sort of very persistent algae, the persistent green in the middle of the desert and the salt tide pools near the Salt Lake. It's it's definitely post apocalyptic. It it almost looks like. It looks like the last water source on Earth. It looks like that. That's the only water left on Earth, and there's a roaming crew of uh, of uh, of sort of uh, you know humans and in, in in just like beat up, you know, maybe not quite road warrior, but maybe sort of more Bedouin with uh, modern uh, pieces of appliances, wandering, and the, the Great Salt Lake looks like the water they come upon you know and they're so relieved that they finally found it and then they taste it and they're like "oh fuck. Too salty." And that's the way it ends. That's the way that tale ends. But point being, I tend to to get pretty far out there and I'm glad that the audiences were supportive because uh that second show Saturday, that was that was trippy. That was trippy and I enjoyed being there. So thank you for having me, Salt Lake. Although I'm not a sanctioned Mormon act, I don't believe that uh the the ones that came minded. Uh, one person uh, tweeted at me that they that that uh, my uh, current uh, Mike Pence bit went a little too far and ruined he and his wife's evening. And I I kind of apologize for that. And I, maybe I should have warned you, but there's really no way to warn anybody about that bit. I don't know where it came from. It's some old school kind of like Rabelaisian filth that I've uh, I've uh, hammered the uh, the vice president into. It's, it's a piece, man. It's a piece, and I, I understand, and I try to uh, explain how, you know, I understand that it could be offensive, and I try to negotiate that because uh, I, I do like to be a bit diplomatic in these things. So Jay Leno, I, I didn't think I'd be talking to him. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't you know, I, I just didn't assume it would ever happen. You know, it didn't happen back when, it, uh, when things were, were lively for Jay in, in both the good and the bad ways. But it didn't happen. Uh, it, it's never. It just never came up. I mean, many of you who listen to the show, um, you know that I did the Tonight Show towards the end of the Tonight Show. It was, I think, it was for the first season of Glow, maybe the last season of Marin. I don't know. But he invited me. I decided to do it. I'd never done the Tonight Show. I didn't know if the Tonight Show was going to be ex- in existence anymore. And I don't need to make excuses. I did Jay Leno's Tonight Show to see what it would be like, and it was uh, it was odd because Jay came into my dressing room before the. Uh, the spot he was in his uh, canadian tuxedo as usual and he he kind of talked to me for like a half hour about how he thought i didn't like him how he thought i was a conan guy how he assumed that you know that uh that that i i just uh, didn't want to do the show and and whatnot but his point really was like he he went out of his way to say you're a comic i'm a comic we're comics we're comics right yes we are we we're comics at heart we are comics that is what we are made of comedians are of a certain cut of a certain cloth, especially the lifers. Yeah. And I'm certainly a lifer as is Jay. So whatever else you do, you're a comic. That's the, and, and people know who you are. I mean, and I'm saying comics, you know who I'm talking about. And, and, you know, I might be talking about you there. There are people that are, in, that are passing through and then there are lifers. So point being what I got out of that conversation was that Jay Uh, was, I I, I don't know if I would say upset, but he knew that most of the comics had had pulled away in terms of their respect for him for whatever reason. And I know what the reasons are. And there's been a few over time. And so when I got the opportunity to have Jay on the show, I I thought that, well, I I don't have anything to lose and uh, I have respect in place for him, but I also have questions about the choices he made and, and maybe he'll talk about it and that's what I set out to do with this interview because when I was younger Jay Leno was one of the funniest guys alive I, I mean when I was a kid in my teens watching the daytime shows after school Merv Griffin Mike Douglas whatever the hell it was you know Jay would be there and he would be funny And when I went at the original Letterman show, which I started watching at the beginning in college, Jay was pretty much on four or five times a year at least. And he was funny. He was a great comedian. And then I remember in college, I came out to LA one summer with my friend Steve Brill. After maybe it's probably after sophomore year, we went to the improv. I saw Jay Leno and he was fucking funny. And I remembered a joke he did kind of halfway almost. And it's very interesting. You'll listen in the interview. I mean, that had to have been 1984 83 and i and I, I i reminded him of the joke that i could barely remember though i remember the punchline. he remembered the joke got a mind like a steel trap that guy but really what i wanted to talk about is that i think the first shift in the com- in comedian's perception of jay was when he took the tonight show and what he did with it you know it went from johnny who we all thought was a class act it was really you know, johnny carson was very important to comics he was very important to jay And there was like, you know, the whole fight between Letterman and Jay. Johnny thought that Letterman should get it. And then there was, you know, whatever the story is, you know, the story. It's available. It's in a book about what went on between Jay and Dave and and how Jay got the show over Dave. And, uh, you know, that was a sticking point because I was a Dave guy, thought Dave deserved it. He'd earned it. He'd worked for it. So that was the first shot for me. And And I can't assume. To know what other comics thought, but for me, being a Dave guy, but loving Jay as a comedian, thought J- Dave deserved the Tonight Show, and Jay took the Tonight Show, and what was once a classy though schmaltzy outlet uh, or show, uh, you know, he made it into a circus. You know, and there, I just remember being very critical of it at the time, and you know, and just like him touching the audience and running around, it just like it, it just felt like it went just a little, lo- little low rent in a way, or just mediocre, whatever. So then you got to deal with Jay hosting this show that you thought Dave should should have gotten. And then Jay's, you know, processing jokes. He's got to do monologues. So he's not doing, you know, the type of material that he necessarily did as a solo act. He's churning through a lot of jokes. They're okay. He doesn't seem to quite fit the suit or the screen uh, for a few years. But that was the first couple of hits, is that. He, we felt like he took the show from dave uh then he was on the show and then he sort of degraded himself in the show in terms of of the content uh, being a little lowbrow or i guess that's the word and and that was a big hit and you know and then a lot of us were like well i don't know man and then bill hicks uh, did a sort of you know seminal is that the right word bit about jay selling out on the D- doritos co- commercials and uh and, you know, we we were all, you know, a lot of us were Bill Hicks people. And, you know, Bill Hicks was a sort of enlightened, uh, a genius, uh, lyrical kind of uh, joke puncher. Uh, you know, really, uh, you know, it had a lot of guts and had a lot of uh, insight and really could nail it in a way that no one else could. And he nailed Jay and that stuck. That stuck with a lot of comics, you know. Then there's a second wave of this. You know, the Conan debacle. So I imagine some of you people who aren't my age or don't remember those earlier sort of um, Jay Leno events, you remember the Conan event. Conan was uh, contracted to begin The Tonight Show and Jay was contracted to leave it. It seems that he he didn't necessarily want to leave, but certainly that was what the paperwork said that he had to do. And, And Conan went and got his job and he got on the tonight show and he did conan he did the conan thing now conan's another guy been very good to me since the mid 90s conan used to when throughout the new york run of that show conan put me on three or four times a year as a as a panel guest which was my dream because I wanted to be like Jay was on Dave. I wanted to be like Richard Lewis was on Dave. I wanted to be like uh, George Miller was on Dave. I wanted to be a guy that sat down and had that relationship with the host. And Conan did that for me over and over again. I owe a great deal to Conan in terms of, you know, giving me some exposure. It didn't really amount to uh, ticket sales, but that was probably my fault over those years. Clearly. But nonetheless, you know, I was excited for Conan to get the Tonight Show, and, and he got it. The issue with Jay at that point was that Tonight Show was sort of tanking with Conan. The numbers weren't great. They weren't picking up. So they they panicked, and Zucker, I guess it was, wanted to, you know, push the Tonight Show up to midnight and, you know, have Jay do a, an hour or whatever it was, Jay was back in it. Jimmy Kimmel spoke out against it. You know, many of us were, were sort of uh, flabbergasted and upset by the whole thing, like, give the guy a chance. But eventually, uh, Conan resigned, was pushed out as opposed to go do the Tonight show at midnight, and Jay came back and uh, was there for however many years that was. So that was really the you know strike three in terms of the comic or certain comics respect for him, the certain parts of the community. Not everybody, but i'm and this is just my recalling of it. So these were, you know, the transgressions or whatever they were. the 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 things that chipped away. You know, at uh, you, you know, Jay's stature as the great comic that he once was, because he was the '80s. That was the early '80s, man. You know, he was the fucking guy. Good jokes, and he's out there doing it still, just doing jokes and driving cars around. So, I I, I took the opportunity to talk to him, and I'm glad I did. And you'll hear that in a second. Uh, I do need to to tell you that he's got a new show, Jay Leno's Garage, it airs Thursday nights at 10 p.m. on CNBC. You can also watch full episodes at cnbc.com and on YouTube. And uh, it was interesting. It was interesting to be sitting in here with, uh, with Jay Leno. This is comic stuff, man. So this is me and Jay. How you feeling, Jay?
1: Good. I feel really good. Actually. You do?
0: Good. What have you been doing? What you like? Uh,
1: Nothing. You... I'm on the road a lot. I do that Jay Leno's Garage show. We, just right. put, we got an Emmy nomination this week, so that's good. That's exciting. Yeah, we do 52 of those shows on YouTube, and then we do 16 one-hours on
0: CNBC. And what's the structure? like? How is it different than the other guy's car show? Uh, Seinfeld's car well, show. Well,
1: Jerry's is more talking with comedians in right. cars. Mars, we feature more on the cars. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I what's mean, on, your... on the TV show on CNBC, yeah. the YouTube show is more technical. Yeah uh the
0: cnbc show. we do stunts crash cars oh, yeah. old cars do all kinds of so stuff. you're working with stunt people working with car yeah. experts you're yeah that with, kind of stuff yeah. Oh, yeah blowing shit up sometimes blowing shit up yeah anything like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't you don't ruin any nice cars though do you no not really not no really. how many cars do you have now
1: oh man you sound like my wife
0: Really? There's about 186 cars, about 163 motorcycles. You keep a count. You know exactly
1: how I know exactly. That's how you do it. But do you like spend the whole day down there with them? Or what do you, I mean, do you like... You know, that's what I like to do. I grew up in a rural area, and you always had to fix something, lawnmowers and old motorcycles. And, you know, when we were 12, we had an old Renault. Yeah, four CV. We used to drive around the backyard. My mom would watch us through the window. Yeah, you know now, of course, they call child services, and your yeah. parents are taken away. But back then, <laughs> you know, they allowed kids sure. to have a certain amount of responsibility. But where was that? That was in Andover. Andover, Mass. Yeah, that's is it. That I guess it is kind of rural, huh? It was then. Now it's like that was before Route ninety three went in. It used yeah. to take forty five minutes oh, wow. an hour to get there. Now it's twenty minutes. So now it's. It's like a bedroom community.
0: You know, you got the $5 chocolate chip cookie and the Starbucks. And, right. You know, and how and you grew up the whole time there? Like, it was your whole childhood? Well, I was
1: born in New York, lived there till I was nine, then we moved to Massachusetts. It's funny, I only lived in New England 10 years, nine to 19, but it seems like 80% of my life. It feels like
0: you got the the accent anyways, isn't it? I mean... I didn't get as bad as some. You right. know, I didn't get that,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, <laughs> To me, the funniest scene in
1: any movie is in, um, you know, the first Ted. Yeah. You know, uh, and they show. It takes place in Boston, and you see yeah. this beautiful woman walk in. Yeah. She's got some kind of supermodel body with, right, right. you know, whatever the whatever the height of fashion and tasteful clothes are. Yeah. She's got this, and, this bit, <laughs> and she's beautiful with the high cheekbones. The guy's yeah. saying, What are you fucking retard? You fucking asshole. <laughs> and it just, it's just <laughs> that Boston <laughs> action. It just killed. <laughs> I literally fell out of my chair. <laughs> it really made me, well, you fucking asshole. It's <laughs> uh,
0: hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, being like, having spent time there, because I started doing comedy comedy there, too, is like, uh, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the... The people are all pretty good people, but it's pretty rough. It's all rough. good people, but it's it's weird, because it's the only town that's liberal and racist. R- well, yeah, because of the colleges, and then you get a little outside of Boston, and it's kind of well, nice Well, it's to... funny, because you have MIT, Harvard yeah. on this
1: end, and the other end, you got Southie, and uh, so you have this intellectual, anti-intellectual clash yeah, all always. the time. yeah. And you have... It's not that they're dumb i don't mean dumb people it's just people that live by their hands that Hard live by people. their wits yeah uh, that work for a living versus people who think for a living yeah. and, and not saying one is better than the other and that's how old people know that, that, that i don't mean it that way it's just it's you know the analogy to me is uh in the rodney dangerfield movie yeah i think it's back to school yeah where the professor's teaching uh, how do you build a building yeah and then rodney goes yeah but then you got the union guy you got to slip
0: him a hundred bucks and how about the other guy and the other guy comes hey you know rodney's got all the yeah. ways to get the real way to get it right. done you know and that, that's 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 boston and that that's the be where all the kids turn to him and start yeah, taking yeah, notes yeah that's yeah. that's the that's the funniest thing. oh yeah what do you do when the union rep comes and you got to slip
1: him a grand you know blah 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 very funny
0: yeah do you remember him did you know him I love Rodney you know you know what's weird Jay is that like in retrospect he doesn't get the respect he deserves <laughs> like I mean like he you know people talk about him but you know he's he should be always talked about as one of the he greats is, he is
1: one of the greats you yeah know? I remember the dumbest review ever Rodney was at the comedy store once in, in the main room yeah and the LA Times reviewer was obviously somebody new and he the reviewer said, Mr. Dangerfield has an annoying habit of constantly touching his tie and, and moving it. You know, why doesn't he get a shirt that... Fa-? He missed the whole point of it.
0: When was
1: that? The 70s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 70s, early 80s. I'll tell you my favorite Rodney story. Yeah, um, Rodney... Well, first time, Rodney was on The Tonight Show. And he's doing his act. And With, I, with I kn- you or with Johnny? With John? me. With oh, me. yeah because that was my. I used to love him with Johnny. Yeah, because because you just Johnny would just repeat one word. Yeah, uh, I went to the store the other day. Went to the store. Went to. The st- <laughs> oh, I tell you, Dad, and the guy there, and what happened? And what? And so when, whenever Rodney would call me, I love to do that. I love to yeah. go. Things are going wrong? Oh, not good at all. Not good. Oh, not good at all. Yeah, and you he, just repeat the last two words that he said. You know. So when anyway, he's doing his act, and I notice yeah. he he twitches. Yeah, and I go, well, that's not part of it you know yeah. and I called Debbie my producer over and I said look I don't want to panic anybody I think Rodney's yeah I think Rodney's having a stroke really you know um I said just just call paramedics can they get home okay so call paramedics and Rodney sits down and he's a little out of breath and looks He's okay yeah but he just looked a little off he's you know that you know that millisecond it's amount of time if you're a comic you can't measure it but you know it's just off right you know so then they come in and they say, Rodney, went, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I tell you. you know. No well, he did have a stroke. And they took him to the hospital. Really? Uh, yeah, okay. So then Joan and I got to be good friends after that. That's his wife. And then years later when Rodney was in a coma in the hospital, I went to see him. Yeah. It was right before he died. Yeah. And Joan said, Jay, Rodney can't speak or say anything, but I think he can hear you. I said, okay, okay, how you doing, Rodney, you know, blah, yeah, blah, I love right. you, man, all that kind of stuff. So she says to me, um, she says, Rodney, um, if, Jay, Jay, put your finger in Rodney's hand. yeah, She goes, Rodney, if you know it's Jay, squeeze his finger. So he's squeezing my finger, and I go, Rodney, that's not my finger. And he, and he and he twitched and she and he said i think, he, I, think he's, I think he's trying to laugh and it it really made me feel good that i made rodney laugh before he did. i mean it really touched me that 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 he reacted that way you know so it was it was really funny
0: <laughs> that's hilarious you know he
1: was one of the greats i used to play danger fields in new york yeah and you, uh, that my, dark weird room my wife and i would sleep in the storeroom in the back where all the cans of Spaghetti sauce yeah. and everything yeah. piled up. And right. well, that's where we lived for the two weeks that I played Rodney. And it's so funny because Rodney was hardly ever there. yeah. And right. people would come to the front, is Rodney here tonight? I think, Bob is Rod,
0: <laughs> rot- he may
1: be it. Yeah, he may be in late. <laughs> I think he will be, and yeah. then, they, then they get the 50-foot right. cover. You
0: know. So so you're up in Andover, and, and, and what gets you into comedy originally? And how did you not end up doing it there? You, you know all those guys, right? I, I did do you're it. You're a little older than them, I think. I did
1: do it in Boston. But, you know, I quickly learned in Boston.
0: Where, what what was the show? What clubs were there?
1: Well, I used to work.
0: Nick's wasn't there, was it?
1: No, no. I played the Playboy Club. Yeah. I played Lenny's on the Turnpike. Yeah. It was a funny club. And I played a lot of the strip joints. Yeah. Because that's what comics were at strip joints.
0: What, or wait, late 60s, are we talking?
1: I started in 69. I was working the clubs in 70, 71. And I learned real fast. If you stay in Boston, you wind up with a Boston act. Hey, how about that Mayor white man? Eh? You know, and then yeah, you yeah. go somewhere else, right. and nobody knows about you. So I realized, I really, as soon as you get kind of popular somewhere, just get out of there. Yeah. A lot of the Boston guys made the mistake of just in there. Yeah. And they'd make a thousand bucks a weekend in right. Boston. Then they go to Connecticut and make two hundred, and they go, well, "Why should I go to Connecticut? Nobody knows me here." So they just <laughs> stay. You know, to me, as soon as I started to get a little heat going yeah. i would go to the next place so i used to drive to the improv in new york not every night but at least three or four nights a week from
0: from andover yeah from boston yeah uh-huh yeah you were living in boston at the time yeah to go on at the improv yeah so you, you what you'd set out at like what six and then just
1: yeah set out at six seven get there about ten uh-huh. wait around for a couple of hours and that was
0: when bud had it that's when Bud had it. Yeah, you know it was a magical place. The improv. I got. I was. I performed there at the end when Silver had it. and It was sort of on its way out. You know, it was just missing a letter on the wall. I had never <sighs>
1: even met another comedian. Yeah. So I thought I was the only guy in the world doing this up I, in Boston. Yeah, you just didn't meet. You know, it was a, Boston. Was a- I would hear my my mother's friends say, you know, Kathy's boy Jay say, some kind of comedian. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it yeah. didn't even seem like a viable... Yeah. What is he doing with his life? <laughs> right, right, yeah. It was that... You, you sure. You. And then when you went to New York... But there were no guys up there then? No, what used to happen, I had an apartment in Boston. In what, what part? Uh, right oh. on uh, 1754 Commonwealth Avenue.
0: Was the Cross Street? Was that up by uh, uh, Up BC? near Brookline, yeah, up near B.C. Okay.
1: Near Chestnut Hill. Yeah. And whenever... Comedians from out of town came in to do the Playboy Club they'd stay at my apartment Yeah, I would okay. just put an open invitation hi I'm Jay Leno com- oh okay Richard Lewis uh, uh, Billy Crystal Freddie Prince Freddie Prince sat up all night once with a gun just firing into the wall blew, and blew a hole from the bedroom into the living room in your apartment? <laughs> yeah yeah just blew a hole into it <laughs> That's, barely, I, I'll yeah. tell you a funny story about living in Boston you know you, you know uh, uh, Commonwealth Avenue yeah you have Commonwealth Avenue and then you have a little strip of grass and then you have a little street yeah. like an access street. Right. So one day I come out of my apartment and I see a refrigerator on the access street that someone has thrown away. Yeah. So I go, oh man. I said, you know something, they should bust the door off of that. A kid gets in there. Yeah. So I go to my apartment I get my hammer, bang, bang, I smash the hands, I, I, <laughs> I bend the door, but I bend it all the way back. <laughs> okay. And I slam it, it won't shut. Great. I did my good deed. I go to my apartment I come downstairs about a half hour later this one, <laughs> We cry to this guy. Hey, hey, you you live around here? I said, Yeah, I live there. You see somebody smash in his refrigerator? the uh, what? <laughs> it's a refrigerator. I said, it's an old refrigerator. I throw it away. It's not old, we're just moving in. It's a brand new goddamn refrigerator. And I look at it and I realize, oh it is a brand new refrigerator. I went, Oh, uh maybe somebody thought it was uh, you know, something Whoa, it's like
0: that, it's brand new I said, well, n- no, I I didn't I I didn't see anything. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> yeah, it was pretty stupid. That's good. So a lot of times, so the first time you met a lot of the guys was at your house in your apartment because they were in town. And you, what were you house MC? Or you just always worked there? No, I wasn't house MC. There was no
1: the Playboy Club. You had to do six shows a night. You had the playmate room and the Playboy room. Where was it downtown? Downtown, yeah. And each room held about. Three fifty four hundred. Yeah. And while the singer was opening downstairs, used to be closing upstairs, so i always passed these <laughs> singers with big sweat stains under the rock because they'd have to carry the, the band's instruments up and down right. between three flames. <laughs> these girls, yeah. you know, mascara running there in tears. It's 100 degrees. Yeah. yeah. I remember Freddie Prince when he stayed with me. That's when Nixon, the whole thing with Watergate was yeah. going on. And uh, Freddie's Doing his act and you know putting down. The guy said it's a president, and uh, and then Freddie said, uh, "Oh, oh Nixon doesn't fuck. He sucks." Uh-huh. Okay, quiet. This guy takes out the gun, <coughs> fires two shots over Freddie's head in uh, the club. In the club, and the whole band dives down. People are screaming. Everybody's running direct every direction. They grab yeah. the guy. They throw him out. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty crazy time.
0: Well, how would you avoid like the, uh you know getting drafted or whatever?
1: I just had a high number. You did? If I gotten drafted, I would have gotten drafted. I was number two seventy eight.
0: Yeah, and did you? You have people in the family that went? Did your my brother, brother
1: was go? in Vietnam? Yeah, my brother volunteered. My brother went to military school. Yeah, so he was a soldier. Yeah,
0: and when he came back, did you get a sense that uh, he was disillusioned with it?
1: No, my brother did aerial reconnaissance, uh-huh. and his job was to examine photos and. Look for targets and that uh-huh. kind of stuff. My brother went to military school. Right. He went to Yale. Then he was a soldier. So those guys got a little, treat a little bit
0: better and uh, right. you know, not so, so much. He, right. Uh, so he, he didn't have a, a sense yeah. of that. No, the... my
1: brother liked being a soldier. You know? Yeah.
0: And what about your folks? They, they lived a long time, right?
1: Yeah, my parents lived a long You know, I have a really old family. My father was born in, my grandfather was born in 1857, before the Civil War. And my dad was born in 1910. Yeah. So my parents were always we're old. Old. Yeah. Just.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> always old. Yeah. Your memory that, yeah. Your first memory is that they're old.
1: My. Yeah. My. Pa- I realize when I look at pictures. I realize I was eighteen, just about when I, the age by the age I am now. Yeah. My dad was. My dad is my age when I was eighteen. Is right. But he seems so old to be. How old are you? I'm sixty eight. Really? Yeah. You look good. Yeah, it's all right, it's all right.
0: So, okay, so you're kicking around, doing the Playboy mm-hmm. Club, Richard, Richard Lewis and all those guys. That's when you first meet them. You're going down the improv. So that place, at that time, who were you seeing? What was the deal? What, how was, what well, was your relationship I, with Bud?
1: I, uh, well, I was working for a foreign car dealership. I was working for Foreign Motors of Boston. So what would happen- Selling happened, what? Then had Rolls-Royce, Mercedes-Benz, Citroën, a lot of bunch of foreign cars. Yeah. And Rolls-Royces and Mercedes would come into the docks in Elizabeth, New Jersey- Oh, yeah. So I would either fly down and take the bus down, pick one up, and drive it back. So I'd always stop at the improv and do a set. In the know. car? Yeah. And Bud would see this kid pull up in a Rolls and go, <laughs> whoa, this yeah. must be like the richest kid. So he always gave me, it, it took a couple of days before he realized what was going on. <laughs> yeah. But one time I went down there to, uh, to a guy had bought a, a Rolls Royce
0: okay? yeah. and
1: he gave me $35,000. In a paper bag. That's, yeah. that's what a rolls cost back then.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: okay. I Had it in a paper bag. And How I picked, many you got? I don't have any rolls. Huh. And I picked up another rolls and I drove it. Instead of coming back to Boston, I think I'll stop at the Improv and do a set. Yeah. So I stop at the Improv and do a set. You know, I got the thirty-five grand in the paper bag. I got, and I take it with me on stage. And I put it on the piano. And I do my set, and it's one of those nights. Everything's killing. oh I come out. Well, man, I got. On, I'm driving back. I'm listening to the set, you know. And I hit the toll booth in Jersey, and I go, "Where's, where's the paper? Fuck! I realize I left it <laughs> on the <laughs> piano. On, you did. So I turn around, and it's now one thirty in the morning, and there's some singers yeah. on stage. No in the mountain one. greenery, that like eight people no, on it. Yeah. I look around, and I see the bag still on the piano. Oh my god! So I go up and I, excuse me, I fuck forgot my lunch. Sorry. But I'd just be getting out of jail now. Oh my!
0: <laughs> if I had lost that money, yeah, I mean it was it was pretty crazy. That way, that must have, that feeling when you went back into that room and saw the bag still there—that must have yeah. been a good feeling. It was a very good feeling. <laughs> it was like that. just was. see, to me, there's nothing like being a
1: stand-up, You know? Sure. I mean, like when I watch when I watch Michelle Wolf. Yeah. I love the fact that she loves to perform. Yeah. I mean, she, I can tell she can't wait to tell a joke to write a joke and tell a joke. I mean, there's such an enthusiasm. Whether you like her or not, I like her. I hear people go one way there. yeah, But just the fact that she revels in being a comedian. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's so anxious to get out there. She's like... It, an athlete, she runs out and she punches those jokes and some work and some don't like all of us do but she really enjoys it. I don't see a lot of angst. I don't see a lot of, she has a look on her face like why the fuck was I ever writing for anybody else? Right. Oh, now, yeah. You know what I mean? And I I really like it when I see comedians have that joy because to me, to me it's the greatest job in the world. Whenever I meet comics that go, I'm going to do stand-up for a while. I'm going to get a sitcom. Oh, please, don't flatter yourself. Yeah. Okay? Is that still the model? Where, where are they I, going to get a I, sitcom? I, I don't know. But yeah. that's what, the, you know, yeah. uh, Jerry Seinfeld is the guy that, that put that dream in a lot of people's heads. Sure. You know? You get the development deal. Yeah. You know, you do it's like stand- Paul Reiser was the first comic to marry a waitress from a comedy club, yeah. then every other waitress in comedy—well, I got her. it is why Paul is great. <laughs> That's what he started. <laughs> yeah, But <well, laughs> well, she worked at the club, and yeah. you know she, now she's a psychologist, very successful. But it's just funny, you
0: know. So, did you move to New York eventually?
1: I didn't move. I, I stayed with a friend, Mike Preminger, and some other people. Yeah. It, it was one of those deals, and I just stayed in New York a lot and commuted back and forth. So it was
0: just the improv, and then there was like the nightclubs there downtown? Was, it was Catch a Rising Star. But that was
1: already up? Yeah, going. that was up and running. There are a few other clubs around. Uh, and it was great, you know? You know, when I watch this show, I'm, di- they're di- I'm dying up yeah. there, whatever it is, I really can't watch it because there's no joy. I go, what's all the angst? I mean, we love... Performing, I mean, of course, there were petty jealousies and shit like that. Well, was, that's
0: all based on the store, right? So, like, the New York thing was different, right? But you were at the store at that no,
1: time. No, I was at the store too, and we we couldn't. We watched each other's sets. We went with each other to The Tonight Show. When you when you watch my first Tonight Show, you hear Robin, Ha-ha! you hear that <laughs> laughing Ha-ha! in the back. You hear us laughing when he did it. I mean, we used to go with each other to Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas. And- so
0: so what's the, what's the journey then for you? So you're in Boston, you're going to New York, you're doing the thing, right? And who's, who's, you, who's working in New York at that time?
1: Uh, Richard Lewis. I remember I went to New York, yeah. and for some reason... I picked up a copy of the Bergen County News, which is some uh, weekly New Jersey paper. Yeah. And it had comedian Rich Lewis, local boy, you know, to appear on Good Day, New Jersey or right. something. <laughs> yeah. And I went, that's the guy I saw at the imp-. You know, I saw him, so oh my God. And then, I, the I, and then I saw him that night and I yeah. said, hey, I saw you in the paper. And I said, this is what a town this is. You give yeah. you five minutes and you get to be in the newspaper. Yeah. You know, it just seemed like a huge deal. But I would commute
0: back and forth. And one day I was sitting in Boston and but who were the guys? Is you and Richard Lewis and what Bob Altman uh, was there? Like, who, the, who, yeah. was, who was hanging around? Yeah, yeah
1: Lewis, Elaine uh, uh, Boozler. Before
0: they came out here. Like before it was right they came. before. Yeah. Because
1: yeah. everything was in New York. Don't forget Johnny was in New York. The Tonight Show was in New York.
0: In this 1970? Yeah, Merv
1: Griffin was in New York. We, oh, Mike right. Douglas was in, in Philadelphia. You know, variety shows were, were out here. But uh-huh. there weren't talk shows. When Johnny moved, that's when the whole thing changed.
0: What year was
1: that? That was 71, I think it was. He oh, came out here. Oh, no kidding. And I remember, I remember sitting in my apartment in Boston, and I had friends of mine that were like graduating college and become realtors or whatever it is, were yeah. lawyers, and yeah. they were buying cars and having nice stuff, and I was still kind of living hand to mouth. And I said to myself, you know, if I don't go to L.A. right now, I'm going to want to buy stuff. I'm going to want to have a nicer place. Yeah. I'm going to live here in Boston and I knocked on the door next door and I told my neighbor who's was in front of me, take anything you want out of my apartment. I'm leaving, for, I'm going to LA right now and I just left. Yeah. And I slept on the stair, the back stairs of the comedy store the first week.
0: That's I, what you did when you got out there? How'd you know to go there? I just,
1: you know what it is? I got off the plane. Yeah. I had $50 and I said to the cab driver, take me to the Sunset Strip. Yeah. He said, how much you got? I said, you got 50 bucks? Okay. So he drops me off at Sunset and Western. <laughs> that's You're right, that's yeah. what, that's what fifty dollars got you from LAX. <laughs> right. So I got out and I go, this doesn't look like you know <laughs> not fun. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what's your for the address of the comedy store? The Ralph's comedy store is like seven thousand sunset. I'm at three hundred sunset. Yeah. Oh man. So I had like a nine mile walk and just trying to hitchhike and you didn't really hitchhike in L.A. You know? Yeah,
0: so, not uh, even in 1971 you, you or could whatever. Try, what was it, it, 71, 72? Yeah, yeah
1: 70, 71. Yeah. So I got to the comedy store and I met Mitzi and everybody. And yeah. you know, it was like. So, but you swept there on the back? On the back step. So Sammy was still there, no? No, Sammy wasn't there. I was still in college. So I would be out here during the summer. I graduated. Where'd you go? I went to Emerson. I graduated college in 73. But I would come out here every vacation. I would come out here. And it was seventy three when I actually moved. But I was out here a lot. I would stay
0: with uh, George Miller was a friend. He was a good guy. And Emerson at that time, because a lot of guys came out of Emerson. You know, they I, I think they actually teach stand up comedy there now. now. They what, do, but then they didn't. What was it? Just a regular college, or was it uh, still? It, it was a regular
1: college. I was dyslexic. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I are you still dyslexic? Yeah, somewhat. How, how does that manifest itself? It's okay. So I just try to memorize stuff. Ah. So I remember looking through the course things at Emerson. So, speech therapy, each, yeah. each student who cried to give a 20 minute talk at the end of the semester, well, I can talk for 20 minutes. Shit, that's easy enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any interest in speech therapy. Yeah, right. But you know, I see other people go, oh my God, I can't talk for 20 minutes. I can't do it. I will talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. I said, well, that's easy enough. And, and, and so I managed to get through, and I gave my parents the degree when I graduated. <laughs> and that's when I permanently moved
0: here. here. Is that what say, sort of inspired you to do stand up? Was talking to, you know, in college? It helped. Any place you got a chance. But like what's, what what sparked it for you, I mean, like initially? What what made you decide like, oh, this is what I'm gonna do?
1: I, I decided because in Boston there were literally if not hundreds of colleges. Yeah. Like close to 100. And most students had no money. Yeah. And they were willing to be entertained by people with no talent, you know? Yeah. It was the kind of thing where, you know, they put a candle in the cafe, and they become the two-toe cafe. Yeah. And it was mostly guys with flashlights under their chins going, stop your war machine, man. Then lights would go out, and it'd be silent, and it'd yeah. be, ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. You know, so the idea of doing comedy really didn't, nobody really was doing much comedy. It was right. pretty serious stuff. So I used to MC and try to throw some jokes in, and- you know, and you go to the next college. Well, I emceed down at Chandler last week. Oh, okay, we well, can come see MCR show. You didn't really make any money. Maybe you got 10 bucks or something like
0: that. And that's but, how you started?
1: Yeah, I used to go to bars in Boston, and I I put $50 on the bar, and I would say to the, the bartender, let me go up and tell some jokes. If I'm funny, give me my 50 back. If I'm not funny and nobody and people leave, you keep the 50 And they went, oh, okay. So a couple of times I lost the fifty, but for the most times yeah. it was
0: okay. Yeah.
1: Or they'd say, "Hey, keep your money, kid." But we don't really do comedy. Don't come back. But you know, just anywhere to get experience.
0: Oh, and, and there was so there was really no clubs, in that you yeah.
1: there weren't any clubs. There were just strip right, was clubs. A, yeah. I used to work with a stripper named Lily Pagan. I worked with a stripper named in Ad- the combat zone. I need a man. Yeah. Uh, and these, you know, it was really interesting because these were women. I was 19 to 20. They were probably in their 40s, Yeah, big, strong women. Yeah. And, you know, in those days, you were either a secretary or you worked at the shoe factory. Yeah. Or you were an educated woman. You know, there weren't a lot of job. And these women weren't hookers or prostitutes. They were just, I remember, they all had short hair. They'd wear wigs. And we'd go do a gig out at, like, Fort Devon's. And they would put they they would take out power tools and put together this giant champagne glass mm-hmm. that one of them would take a bath in, you know. Yeah, and I would stand there and tell jokes yeah. while they did that. Uh-huh. So one day I'm telling jokes and this guy says, Hey you suck. Hey kid, you're an asshole. Yeah and, and I remember she just gets out of the tub nude, totally covered with it, so goes over punches the guy in the face <laughs> breaks his nose the guy's <laughs> nose literally splits over. he's bleeding all over the place he's yeah. screaming his friends are going oh ah! <laughs> it's just, just
0: hilarious
1: it's really funny I mean it was great times
0: <laughs> great bloody times oh yeah all right so you're, you're coming back and forth mm-hmm. you meet Mitzi what's the first time you meet Mitzi like because you know look I started I was a doorman there in the, in the 80s when you know uh, you know when Sam was big like I was there for a couple years that's sort you know of Sam's
1: it. the reason I left. Yeah, you know Sam would come in yeah. with the guns and the coke, and you know he was unusual. He was really good. Yeah, he, you know he had that primal scream. Yeah, which brought—it's like when you see a guy do blues yeah. better than anybody else. You yeah. can't explain why it's better. Yeah. It's just an intensity. <laughs> but then he would come. He would come in with this posse after a couple of years, and there'd be guns and coke. And I just said, you know, I'm a comedian. When this place gets busted, I don't want to be
0: downtown yeah explain i don't do code so i just i just stopped going you just stayed away yeah but you were uh, well it's so but when you first met her in the 71 or 72 Mm -hmm. i mean what 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 was that what was that scene like because i mean the strip must have been out of control i mean you 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 sound to me like you're kind of a conservative guy but it was a wild time i am a conservative guy um you know she was like your
1: comedy mom i mean that's the funny thing about it, you know. When that strike happened, she was like a, a mom who couldn't let go. We loved Mitzi. I thought she was great. She gave us all a chance. Very nurturing with everybody. Then it got to the point where, well, here's what you should be doing in your act. Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to do that. No, you need to do that if you want to work here. You know, it, it got to that point with... Some, I remember Jack Grayman. She wanted him to change his name to Jackie Bananas and wear a yellow jacket. And, yeah. And, you know, just making suggestions, which... She was like a mom whose kids are growing up now and you, you know you can't, they're 18 now, mom. You can't tell them what to do. What'd she know? tell you to do? It's not that she told me to do anything. She g- told me to wear a scarf. Did she tell you that? Yeah. Well, see, I was also friends with Bud and she didn't like that. So there was there was a bit of a distance. I was one of the few people that could play both clubs. Uh, yeah, she, that, that didn't work out for Jimmy Walker. No, that didn't work out for a lot of people. And she just got possessive. And I don't think she was, I was always very grateful to her. Yeah. I mean, I was just for having a place where we could go, you know, just to meet other people that were comedians was like, man, I have something I can talk about. I don't have to explain to people and watch people roll their eyes when I say I want to be a comic and yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, I
0: mean, I can't, like, I'm trying, I always try to put the history together and I've read the book and I've had a couple of the old guys yeah. in here. But like at that time, I mean you come out there, you don't you don't have agents, you don't have a manager, you're Still at the done. comedy store. Yeah. Right. And uh is Letterman there at that time? Letterman had showed up, uh yeah. And Letterman
1: was probably the best wordsmith to yeah. use the word that I'd ever seen. Yeah. Uh I think he admired my ability to be on stage and Not give a shit and just sort of work. Yeah. And I admired his ability to weave. I remember the first joke that really caught me. He said, we here at, you know he talked about working at a local news station at at WKR, are diametrically opposed to the use of orphans as yardage markers on public golf courses. And he he had a whole thing about that. And I thought, (laughs) uh, I just like the lyrical sense of how he put that together. So I went up to him and I introduced myself and I said, man, I really like the way you, 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 you weave this, you tell a story into the picture. He goes, wow. How can you get up there and and, and just not be nervous? Can, I said, no, no, that's so. That always used to be my thing. When I would do Dave, I would, yeah, I would go next door and buy like a huge meatball sandwich, you know. Yeah. And when I would see Dave coming down the hall to make makeup, like um, boom, Dave, yeah. how can how can you eat that before you go on? Jesus, <laughs> Christ, what's the matter with you? Oh, Dave was delicious. So, and then I got to the point where I would bring the sandwiches out on the show, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. he was just he was just so he didn't like. Doing stand-up. I mean, he great comedian, a, a good broadcaster, and yeah. I. I, I this I'm not disparaging. He yeah. just didn't like the road. Right to me, I love the road. Dave hated. it. I think he went out with Tony Orlando a couple of times. He just, <laughs> just hated it more than anything. And it was it was it, it was just it was just funny. But I always had a a great. Admiration. I, I think he took from me maybe a little bit of the performing part. Yeah. And I took from him. Oh, that's, boy, that's the way you write a joke. Right, that's a way good to way. say it. And then it's not, you know, uh, you're not stealing from one another. It's not that. You're just, okay, that's, you're seeing the right way it should be done. And who
0: else impressed you at that time? Did you get to see Richard Pryor all the time at the store? Yes. I love Richard Pryor. I would ask Mitzi to put me on after Richard every single night. Just to, for the workout?
1: Well, you know, we comics are inherently lazy. You just Uh go where the audience is.
0: Uh huh.
1: Oh, so you you always say, "Don't go, don't go." So that kind of thing. (laughs) I thought I had an hour's worth of material. Uh After following Richie, I realized I had about eighteen minutes. Yeah. And not not sarcastically, actually eighteen, because you know when the audience is on a roll, they they laugh at anything. You know, I can remember once Robin Williams came up to me, the height of Mork and Mindy, and he said, "I got some new stuff. Watch my set. Tell me if it's any good." And he went on and he said, help me, Lord, no! You know, Robert, yeah. he's yelling the jokes out, and yeah. the people are screaming, and he said, is the new stuff any good? And I said, no, it, it sucks. He goes, I thought it sucks, but I, I can't tell. They just laugh at everything that uh, I do. Right. So, I mean, and that's not a, it's not a shot at Robert. Right. It's just the fact that you, you, you can't tell how you're doing because the crowd is so crazy, crazy. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. To me, my guy was always Robert Klein. Oh, yeah? Because I wasn't Jewish. I wasn't poor. We weren't rich, but I wasn't poor, so I didn't have any of the hooks. I wasn't a minority. You saw him in
0: New York. Where did yeah, you...
1: yeah? And Klein was a guy that was ten years older than me, yeah, and was essentially a middle class kid. Kid and talked about uh, stupid shows on television, uh-huh. uh, you know, or trying to get into college, yeah. whatever it might be, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I, I really identified with him and Carlin also. Carl, another white guy, you know, not a minority, just yeah. a funny guy. Yeah, didn't have a hook, just had good
0: jokes. Yeah, yeah and and he wrote the hell out of him. Yeah, great comic. I yeah, mean, just it's great. So interesting because like Klein's a little more free, well not free form, but bigger bits than I think you do, right? Like he did long executed things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I always enjoy Robert. He liked being an actor. Yeah, I would see him on uh, Law and Order or something yeah. playing an attorney, and I would say to myself. You go on the Tonight Show and own network television for eight minutes. Yeah. Well, you're the only thing on. Why why
0: somehow a part in a TV show, why? That's but everyone seemed to try it. You tried it, right? I mean, didn't you? Oh, okay. I tried it. I hated it. I well, but I mean, it's like it's like, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I think well, Robert, that was always his problem, right? Yale trained right. actor, like and you know he wanted to do Broadway. He got. He was in that hit. They're playing our song, right? And like, and, and like, I from my read on it is that when Robert had the opportunity to become the biggest comic in the country, he, something went wrong. I mean, it became yeah. Cheech and Chong or somebody right, else. Right, right, yeah, yeah, Right, the timing was
1: off. Yeah, yeah, but but he was good. He had a summer show called Comedy Tonight, I think it was. Yeah, I can't remember that. Because I worked at the car dealership and he came in to buy a car. Yeah, and I, a Rolls? Uh, no, Mercedes. I believe I installed the radio in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Hey, but you've got no Rolls in your collection. No, no, I don't. I'm not a Rolls-Royce guy. You got some Mercedes? Yeah, I got some older Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just seems like when we're comics, like you, if you're out here, you're going to take the TV shots. Because I remember seeing you show up in weird move, old movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I did think a there's, couple of movies. there's. I think you're in one smoking a pipe. I think you smoked yeah, a that, pipe. That probably. was
1: Silver Bears with Michael. You know, I was standing <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> and a car pulls up. Yeah, he goes, "You, what are your name? What's your name? Uh, my name is J. My name is Ivan Passa. I am uh, a director." Uh, I am doing film with Michael Caine. Do you have a look I like? Uh, are you an actor? I said, yes. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go to Switzerland and Morocco to do a movie? I said, sure. Give me your name. <laughs> okay. So I gave my name. This isn't going to happen. Then I get the call. Here's your plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm on the way to, to Switzerland and Morocco. And I did <laughs> I did this movie. And and my parents were like stunned. <laughs> I fly to Hollywood. Yeah. And then I call my parents from Morocco. <laughs> what are you doing in Morocco? I'm doing a movie. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? A guy stopped me on the street corner, asked me if I wanted to be in a movie, and I, okay, that's why I am, Mom. I went to Morocco, <laughs> England, and Milan, Italy. Yeah. And we were over there for like eight weeks doing this film. It was pretty stupid.
0: Yeah, but, but you just, it, it, it was right at the beginning? Yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, it was hilarious. So when you do these things, but like when you did the TV shots and stuff, it's just like you because what did you know you weren't an actor or did you just not like the gig or you just was like i,
1: I don't know i was just grabbing it straw. oh didn't, yeah i don't know
0: yeah but you at that time early on were you opening for musical acts were you yeah. on the road
1: yeah i was on the road a lot i opened for everybody from i remember i was opening for perry como yeah and he was a great guy yeah Perry como uh said to me um hey Who's that girl? What's that girl with her name? That's that's Mavis. Yeah. What are you gonna do with that girl? Gonna marry her? I said, when I get some money, I'll marry her. So he took out two thousand dollars. He said, here, he's two grand. Go marry her. <laughs> and I did, and we're still married. Thirty-eight years later.
0: <laughs> that Ferry Como did that? Yeah.
1: He said, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, he just said, here, here's two grand. Go marry her. <laughs> Quit
0: you. making excuses. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I said, oh, no, I had to marry her. <laughs> okay. Hey. I'll, I'll no, he was a great guy. <laughs>
0: Did you find that, like, when you worked the road with their, that were there guys that you worked the road with that were of another generation that that you know you were able to? Start?
1: Oh, another generation. I remember at the Improv once. This is why you know I, I don't bitch about political correctness. Yeah. Because to me, times change. Change yeah. with the times or die. Right. You know the reason the Japanese beat Detroit is Detroit. Well, we can't meet these new rules. We can't meet these regular. There's no way we can meet these emissions. Yeah. They can't be done. And the Japanese said. Tell us what the rules are, we'll follow them. Fine. Yeah. And they came out with engines that were extremely efficient, extremely, uh, you know, less smog and fuel efficient. And so when I see comics that bitch and moan but change your act, okay? I mean, when I started... Some sort of gay joke was the staple of everybody's act. Sure. Nobody does them anymore. Right. Why? Because times change. Right, exactly. You don't
0: do that anymore. You don't have to say that word anymore. They don't want to be called that anymore. Don't call them that. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. But the idea that you keep fighting this, you need to change with the times. You right. Know? I mean, I see a lot of gay comedians and les- lesbian comedians doing comedy from their point of view, and it's just as funny. It's just a different point of view. Right. So, in speaking of that, at the improv, there was this old comedian, I can't remember his name, he would come in and he's obviously been working since like World War II yeah this was in sixty nine seventy, and he would get up there and he go hey fellas you know when you go in a bar and guys in uniform you know they got all the girls you know what I'm talking about <laughs> boo <laughs> fuck the war Nixon so- you know people just scream yeah, yeah. this is the height of it and he goes yeah. I don't get it he says I say look you know this is a lot of anti-war protest guys that, you know not women yeah. like guys that don't Go in, yeah, right? The, the, the dodge, the yeah. I said you gotta update your act. You can't. You know, he goes, oh yeah, yeah. C- c- <laughs> comes and goes. Watch my act tonight. He goes, hey, fellas You know you got to buy another green berets. You know how they get all the girls. like, go, no, you can't go to green berets. <laughs> it's the same thing as what you just did. You, yeah. you can't update the act. That yeah, way. yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean. You have to. You just have to change with the times.
0: I remember seeing you, I can't remember, like I remember two very distinct uh, jokes, because I, I thought they were hilarious, I thought you were great, I was in. I must have been in, uh, not in junior high or something, I don't know if you were on Mike Douglas or Merv Griffin, but you're sitting in the big chair, and they cut away the commercial, and it was just an aside, you go, does the chair fold into the wall now, are we going to, like on a game show, we're
1: going to, that was the funniest thing oh, in the well, world. Oh, well thanks, but see, you were never a fan
0: though. What of you? Right, you would never. No, that's not anything. true. No, it's not. No, oh. no, I remember seeing you at the improv. Oh, okay. Like in like the the uh, I'd see you when I was in college. I'd come out here for the summer, and I'd see you. Uh, there was the one joke that like these are ones I remember just from for whatever reason. You said uh, I saw a commercial it was brought to uh, to us by the uh, the Spring Peach Advisory Board. Oh, uh, oh no, okay. the, the what peach? What is it? Uh, that? No, uh, it was the. Uh... I can't The find cling it. peach cling, advisor boy. Eat delicious
1: cling peaches. A message from the cling peach advisor boy. And what kind of cushy ass job is that? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Bob, this man on line nine wants to have cling <laughs> peaches with cornflakes. Yeah, that's fine. I got no problem. <laughs> with that. No problem with Look, that. Look, hold, <laughs> hold my problems. Hold my calls, Grace. That's what. That's what. That's what the joke was. Yeah. But you know what's so funny <laughs> is when you take over the Tonight Show. Yeah. You've got to do a twelve minute monologue every single night. Hmm. And you can't be hip every single, You just can't. No, of course. It can't be... So I would just get labeled with this, you know, and just get beat up all the time. That's why when you came to see me, when I invited you to the show, yeah. I went into the dressing room. I know. you know, And I said... Uh,
0: you I, know, didn't, I thought you didn't like me. I thought you, uh, that's, no, what, I th- that's
1: what you said. I, I thought thought you didn't like me. Because, you know, when you're... Who do you tackle? The guy with the ball, the quarterback. And yeah. to me, the Tonight Show was the ball. And uh-huh. suddenly, I was getting attacked from all sides for basically doing the same thing I always did. I mean, my job was to keep the Tonight Show number one, yeah. and still try to keep a younger audience
0: as well as an older. Well, audience. I remember what happened was like you know, even before like you know, I, I the shift like you took some shit like uh, when I was starting out and I was an angry comic. I don't think I think <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, that was, there was there was we weren't of the same ilk, really. Right, right uh you probably you're more now more relaxed and am funny or whatever but uh, well, you are I re- funny aren't you? i enjoyed your special i watched the last oh one. thank you uh but like i remember when you know hicks took you on and that i mean that was like the you know first happened, punch you know what happened with hicks well, he said you know what's the doritos thing?" the no, satan and everything else well,
1: what it was was i was hicks was 14 years old yeah i was down and working in austin i think it was yeah they said we have a comedy class here yeah, Some young people want to do right. comedy. And my rule is, the person who thinks you suck and walks out of the room is always going to be the funniest one there. Yeah. Because there's just an arrogance, <laughs> you know. Okay? Right, right. So Hicks kind of goes, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And he walks out of the room. Yeah. Okay, so I called him aside. And, and then we became friends.
0: This is when he's 14.
1: 14, 15, 15, 15, right. first right. Okay. Started, yeah. And we, we sort of interacted, yeah. and I talked with his parents and whatnot. And then... He wanted to come on the Tonight show and he had this Jesus routine and I said Bill I'd love to put you on but they won't
0: let you do. So that. This is right at the beginning 92.
1: Yeah, I guess that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. I said Bill they won't let you put that on. Yeah. Uh and he and I said he's I called Leniman, and will do it, you know. Yeah. I said well I I can't I don't own my show. Dave owns his show. Okay? Yeah. I I can't Tell you they're not going to cut it up. So he just started, oh, "Jalen, I'll fuck you with the Doritos." And all, all right, fine. And, and you know, and then he went on Dave. And of course, the NBC censors.
0: Oh, that was that time. They cut yeah. it all up. Yeah. So then he got mad at that, and then it was just sort of yeah. Then he was out on on his uh, on his outlaw journey. Yeah, brilliant. Kid. Great, great. Really funny kid. Yeah. I haven't great talked. To, I haven't talked to his
1: parents in a while. His mom in a while, but yeah, I mean that was really a sad sad thing but I, I just like the anger and the angst
0: and yeah no he's great and a great joke writer yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah. but so the you some of the seed to that was a reaction. It was a, a yeah. not necessarily personal, but he was up against it. it. What he wanted to do was radical, and the mainstream, you know, didn't have a place for him.
1: I think that's fair to say.
0: You know, but like just a, you know, a real genius guy. But I think like in, in you addressing me, addressing you, thinking I didn't like you. I think at the time, well, you know, for, you know I grew up with Letterman, so then there was that wave of that, right. and then that book and that movie, and then you know, you're you're you put in a position to be like, well, well. What, what 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 was going well, on? Well, I was the
1: establishment guy, and Dave was the hip guy, right? And that's probably that's probably fair to say. Yeah, and we were on at exactly the right times. I was more for mainstream people, and, uh, but do you have any
0: regrets about how it went down with the Tonight Show in terms of your relationship with him? Like in terms of getting the Tonight Show over him? I mean, that well, here's a... the thing:
1: I was guest hosting for five years. Yeah. I was the only guest host
0: for five years. Why is that?
1: Well, Dave had done it a bunch of times. And of course as excellent as Dave is. Yeah. Dave doesn't like network suits. Yeah. And one of the network guys just asked one of the talent point is my two college age kids are in town. They want tickets for the show. And Letterma Heard said, No, no, they're not coming in. And it's it's our show. No. No, I don't want no. And I remember one of the, when they gave me the show, one, yeah. of, the, one of the guys said, "I wasn't going to go through twenty years of that." <laughs> you know, I mean, to me, I think right. he probably would have gotten it. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, but but don't, don't forget, it's sort of, it's a double edged show because yeah. they had a hit show, a huge hit show. Yeah, you had Johnny, who was seen as the old school on his way out. David was the bright shining light at twelve thirty. Yeah, well. Why not bring a new guy in to take over from Johnny and then keep the bright light shining at 1230? Uh I mean, I think Dave was somewhat a victim of his own success Uh because the show was so big and perfect in that time spot, and they weren't sure if that would work at 1130. They had a guy guest hosting who was getting really good ratings and doing well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All right, why don't we just do this? And that's what they did. I mean... You know, people would get mad at me, and I what, what, what I was I supposed to do? I was I supposed to turn it down? I was to go, no? <laughs> right. I mean, it wasn't, you know, there's this sort of thing that somehow I snuck in at the last minute and stole the ball here. I was guest hosting for five years. The only guest host on the show. Yeah. I was doing weeks, two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time when Johnny was out. And then it got turned over to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. And do, now, do you, did you reconcile with Dave? I think so. I think, Dave, you know something? We've always had a mutual admiration for each other. Uh Uh-huh. I think he was angry. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, The decision was not mine. The decision was NBC's. You know, like, for example, I'm someone who would go and visit every single NBC affiliate. They wanted me to do that. Yeah. I don't think Dave would do that. It's just not his nature it's neither right nor wrong yeah but somehow yeah, oh no. well you cheated you went and visited all the- no i didn't that's part of the job that was, the tonight show was the traditional you didn't show. mind being a company guy you like no. going out you can schmooze you do this you know stand something if, like, you're, if you're taking the company money you're a company guy whether you pretend to or not you know right. if you don't want to be a company guy don't take the company money right okay? there's going to be a company guy take, take the company guy
0: Right, well, I think that, like, also in in reaction to you, uh, you thinking I, I didn't like you, I think that, like, um, there was, I, the, it, and I know you've dealt with it because I've heard stories, you know, like, you you know, you you hear other comics saying bad shit about you and you call them up and you go, like, I, I go, heard what's you, it about? I don't mind it if they know me and, okay, I, did I fuck you
1: over? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, well, wait, that never happened. You know, right. I, I read all these stories that... Uh, you know, just crazy stuff. Just crazy stuff. I just always
0: liked that you would call. Like, I remember the first time you called me, I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, Jay Leno, hey, hey. And then there's a part like, why did I get my number? What do you want to do? You do? I do yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, why not go to, you know,
1: to me, if there's something going around, you go to the source. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a great one for social media. I wasn't going to talk. I don't like to talk shit about other comics. Yeah. I, I don't. And I don't really slam any other comics. You know, it's such a small fraternity, and there are very few people that really understand what it is we do. Yeah. It's like Kimmel and I had a bit of a thing going. You know, Kimmel came from the Letterman camp and the Howard Stern camp, and, you know- Oh, yeah, he did that thing where he he sandbagged it. Yeah, he didn't like- Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. But but what people don't realize is I let that go on the air. Sure. I could have edited it and just- Right, right, right. It wasn't live. Was it, it? No, it wasn't live. Yeah, right. You know, so we didn't. I said, look, if that's what he wants, that's fine. Uh-huh. Okay. And, you know, when his son had this incident, I I called him up and we had a nice talk. And I said, look, I think, you're, I think he's really funny. It's good. And yeah. the funny thing is, he's more like me probably than any other host. He's Italian. Yeah. He's got kind of a blue collar background, which yeah. I like. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah. So we reconciled. And, and I think we're, I don't know if we're friend friends, but- you know, I just called him up and said, "Look, I'm 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 not gonna say anything bad about you. I think you're really funny. I think you did a great, does an incredible job on the Oscars. I mean, oh yeah, it's great, it's great. You know, I turned that job down because I didn't, I didn't." think I could be any good at it and I watch him I, he just does an amazing job it's
0: really funny it's really topical yeah, it's, yeah it's he's good. got a great interaction oh let me ask you a question the because like I'm just trying to track this thing so we you know we we got the Hicks thing and then you took the job and then there was the tension with Letterman there was the Letterman camp and then you know, and then uh, you know, they there only seemed to be a Letterman camp, and somehow you were the, you know, you were the guy that did something bad. Oh yeah, yeah. But but the truth of the matter is, is that you know, like your assumption by me was wrong because I always loved you as a comic, and you were one of the great comics, and you're still a great comic. But we all knew you as a comic out right. there doing it, always turning over new material, and you're a great club act. And you know, we knew you were a lifer and a veteran and the real deal. So like I I, I got the feeling with you that somehow after the Tonight Show that there was this thing always hanging over you that like how how did how did so many comics decide you were an asshole
1: uh did, did it bother you though i mean well, like it's yes, everything bothered. look you're a comic what do yeah. you, you like to be liked yeah. yeah that's why that's why i invited you on the show i don't think this guy likes me let me bring him on
0: and see what it's all about <laughs> it, what, but that, that was just because like conan like was uh you know he put me on a show four times a year oh yeah, yeah. and i was there at the beginning that's okay and but but it, like i wasn't out
1: saying you see, know that was another odd situation because when I got to Tonight Show, okay, Conan, yeah. come on. And Conan was going week by week in terms of, is he going to stay on or what, are they going to cancel it What do you mean after? They, when was this? With the first time he was on the late night show following me. Oh, oh, oh. And they were renewing him like six weeks at a time. Oh, early six on, six the 90s. Oh, yeah, 90s. And now. Omeyer came to me and said, what do you think? I said, I think he's funny. I said, I said, you can't. Put people on in three weeks, four weeks. I mean, you know, just renew them. Yeah. And I said, listen, why don't we do this? I will promote him every night after my show. I'll say who his guests are and stay tuned for Conan. I will do that every single night. You're okay. telling
0: us that Don Ohmire is yeah. the head of the network at yeah. the time.
1: and Don said, okay, would you do that? I said, yeah, I like him. Okay. Yeah. And I did.
0: And it worked fine. And then one day
1: I get, you know, a network guy comes to me and goes, you didn't hear from me, but Conan wants you out. And I said, what?
0: Well, when was this? In the 90s?
1: This was, uh, no, in the 2000s. Uh-huh. Because he was getting hot, and we were doing well, and he was doing well. Uh-huh. Okay. And then they, I don't have an agent or a manager. Right. I learned my lesson with that one. Uh, so this well, was all- Wait, you just got a lawyer?
0: Is, you got nobody?
1: I don't really have a lawyer, but- Yeah. I, if you I, need I, one, I, you can find one. I, I yeah. kind do. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. So- <laughs> I, I just get this call, what's this all about? Okay, next thing I know, they want to give The Tonight Show to Conan. That's what they want to do? Okay, I said, I, you know, I still got four more years, so they want you to announce it, they're going to announce it. Fine. So I said, oh, I'm stepping down, they want to give it to Okay,
0: fine. In four years.
1: In four years, yeah. yeah. Okay, but we're still number one. Yeah. Then I think um, Craig Ferguson came along, and suddenly- On CBS. Whoa, he was- yeah he was pulling from Conan and I don't know if he was beating Conan but certainly a run for the money not a huge market at that hour anyways so. right and yeah. the networks were like oh, oh, wait a minute the bloom is off the rose here a bit and what's going to happen uh huh okay so then that comes along and uh okay they want me to go fine so I I get an offer from ABC I, I call Kimmel Kimmel they want to move me at 11.30 you to 12.30 would you do that he said yeah I think I'd do that okay fine well, everybody happy fine and then NBC goes, I tell you, what do you want at 10 o'clock? And I said, well, all right, fine. And somehow, like, Jay Leno, it's not fair to come. It's, it's, you know, hey, it's, welcome to show business. Okay, uh-huh. okay so,
0: But did you think it would be a good
1: place for you or you just wanted to work? I wanted to work. And second of all, they said to me, look, whether this works out or not, we'll pay your staff, your entire staff for two years. And everybody in my show had never done it before, with the exception of a three or four people. All uh-huh. the writers, we had the same writers for 23 years. Everybody, I said, you guys want to get paid for another two years? Want to do All right, fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. You know, All yeah. right, it's fine. so we, we, we did that. We had a really loyal staff. You know, when um, when the ratings started to drop on a lot of late night shows, they want to do cutbacks. And I, I took, I was making such stupid money anyway. Yeah. It was $30 million a year. So I said, well, let's cut it in half to 15, and we'll spread the second half out among everybody. Else. Okay, fine. Okay, so now they, they love you and all that kind of stuff. Great. So everybody's happy. And we, yeah. We're doing fine. So I said, you guys want to do a show at 10 o'clock? And the network was really up for this because they had tried it in the 60s with Jack Parr and they thought maybe it could have worked. But they were panicking. They were panicking because nobody show. was watching the 10 o'clock shows.
0: But wasn't there a panic around the number drop from- There was. Yeah. There was.
1: Um, the numbers were dropping before I came on.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then they put us
1: on a 10, which was seen as basically the same thing. Uh, and I guess the numbers dropped even more. But I believe he was getting notes from the network and not paying attention to them. They thought the sketches were too long or uh-huh. whatever it might be. I don't want to talk about his thing. Sure. that's he can talk about right. that. Right. Um, uh, okay. I mean, there was talk about
0: me doing a half-hour show and then Conan coming on at midnight. Right. Right. You, you, so you starting at the time the Tonight Show started, right? And then putting him on, and he said, "Then it's not the Tonight Show." That was the, the that, deal that that's, broke. Them.
1: That's when Conan quit.
0: Right. So then it was like, "Oh, he quit." You want to come back? I said, "Sure." So we came back, <laughs> and we were number one. Until we left. Do, now, okay. As somebody looking back at this, mm-hmm. two questions: Do yeah. you do you have any regrets about
1: the way it all was handled? No, I don't, because it, a it wasn't my decision other than to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. There was no scheme. I would read where, I read one blog where it said, "Well, you know, they had to take Leno back or pay him 150 million." Like go, okay, well, I either I'm a genius or I'm an idiot. You can't be bull. Why would they have to pay me? Why would you have to
0: fire a guy and then pay him $150 million? It doesn't make any... It, I mean, it, it, does, it just didn't make any sense. Do you think Conan should have stayed on at midnight?
1: To me, when you're on, you're winning.
0: I know, because I think that's he, what Seinfeld he, said, too. Yeah, like,
1: to me, as long as you're on, you're winning. I always had a play and pay contract. Uh-huh. You know, I always meet comics that go you know, they're not using me and they're paying me 10 grand a week. I go, yeah, but when that ends, your career is over because nobody likes to spend money on something that's not making money. Yeah. So to me, it was, if you're going to use me, you got to have me on the air. Yeah. I believe that was another reason why I was on at 10 o'clock. That was part of it also. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So to me, that was it. Yes, I think think Conan should have done it. And then I would have retired four or five years later anyway. Yeah. And if the show's, Look, you're either popular or not. I right. mean, you you rise and fall on your own. Yeah. You know, I always tell comedians, they hired me to be on this shitty sitcom. Yeah, they're hiring you because it's a shitty sitcom. Yeah. So they're thinking you can make it funny. <laughs> That's why you're on, okay? <laughs> right. yeah. Hopefully it won't be a shitty sitcom because you're on it. Yeah. That's the way it works. Right. We had bad lead-ins when, uh, when I was doing The Tonight Show um, in, in the 90s, just awful. You know, all these 10 o'clock bad dramas that weren't going anywhere. The only one ER was the only hit. Yeah. And,
0: but everybody did. You rise and fall on your own on your own numbers. Whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let, let's go back in time just a bit for a minute. Sure. The, uh, so like I saw Tom Dreeson the other night and he, he performed at the Comedy Store for right. the first time in like 40 years. Right, oh yeah, yeah, I love Tom. He went on the main room, Argus brought him up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now do you, like in Mitzi Pass, did you go to the, the memorial or anything? I didn't go to the memorial. Because, I got a stupid
1: phone call. Jolello, hey, you better go to meet this funeral man. You're gonna be you're your asshole. You're, you better cancel any gigs you have. And I go, you know, I don't want to go through who all was this it? again. I don't know. I didn't know who it was. Is That really? Yeah. And I just went. Really? It's 30 years later. This bullshit's still going on. So I figured I'm not going to go and cause it. Hey, you cause better a big you better go. Or you're not going to get spots. Right. I. No. Yeah. No. I went. I remember I did Tim Conway and a bunch of radio shows. Uh-huh. Just talking about how much we love Mitzi and how much she liked comedy and you know, really helped us all out. But did,
0: kind of do help. you have an emotional connection to that time and to the other oh, comics? I mean, it, like the, the, incredible
1: the, emotional connection. Like then,
0: and yeah. the guys, is there any guys left from that time that you're still in touch with? I mean All the guys. Dreesen, everybody. Yeah. You know, I knew Steve Lebetkin.
1: Yeah, I know, like The guy who jumped. Steve Lebetkin he had a he had one bit. Called Cat News. Yeah, uh, it was something about a newsman reading news for cats. And, yeah, you know, it was pretty funny. Yeah, and he auditioned with that. Yeah, at the Improv, and I thought oh, it's very funny. Bet, how you doing? Blah, blah Then he got some money from his father or somebody. He got some investors, and he did a movie called Cat News. Yeah, and, I, and, we, and that, that was the that was the only bit he yeah. really had. Uh-huh. And then ah, I don't know whether he was getting high or whatever. He just didn't come up with more stuff. Yeah. And then he went, and I think Mitzi said nah. it was the strike too, right? He, he he The strike was going on, and they
0: and he was uh he he ju- he, he, he he jumped off the roof of the Hyatt House next door, right? Killed himself, right? Right, but it, but some of it was because he was panicking. Obviously, he had some mental problems, but he was right, panicking right. that he wasn't getting spots. Right, I talked right. to Tom about it. And he said, "Yeah, that like he was one of the strikers, and like, right. and he, I guess he mentally had everything invested in this thing." Right. Rumor, right. you can invalidate a rumor to me or not, and and it's all right uh, if it's not true. But right. I heard that, it, that somebody the next day after he jumped uh, 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 called the comedy store uh, to put him for spots as the Bitkin. <laughs> no, I don't know. I didn't hear you that. Did do, you didn't do that. I didn't. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Steve was a friend. Of, Steve was a friend of mine. <laughs> you know yeah uh, of course i don't mean to be a, no, a, no no
1: no 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 but it was just it's a comic thing you know yeah no and that's what i mean it's a comic somebody, you, just, you have to go somebody's for, gonna do something you have to go for yeah. the joke you yeah go yeah for the yeah. Joke. yeah
0: but you do you have warm feelings about that time and uh, i
1: love that time you know what it was because you, you there was a sense of belonging to something i mean it, it, when you're a young comic you have no idea where your life is going you don't want to sell insurance. You don't yeah. want to work in a factory. Yeah. You just don't want to be a regular person. Yeah. You just want to do something or die trying, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and to meet other people who think like that. I mean, I went a whole year without ever meeting anyone else that wanted to be in show business in Boston. The people look at you like, oh, you're a comedian, huh? Oh, man, that's a... That's kinda of weird. Yeah, kind of, you know, and girls with a uh, comedian, sure. like, where do you work? Right. And, well, you know, you get up and uh, just tell jokes, you talk that yeah. you it, it just then you come here or New York and you meet guys that want to be lighting directors or choreographers yeah. or gay guys that want to be dancers. Well yeah. you know, in Boston you don't no gay guy would say you want to be a dancer. You right. get beat up back in the Right. You know, I mean it was just it was like an amazing time to meet other people. Right. You know, I think it's like Maybe if you're a gay person and suddenly meet other gay people, and you well, realize this is where show business. Yeah, is. this is yeah. where this is. Here are people I have something in common
0: with. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. And this is where where you 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 know you kind of do that that uh, that work. I mean, it was
1: very exciting time. I got I got picked up twice for vagrancy on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, and the cops would see me. In fact, when I got my star, we uh, we put the star where I got picked up twice. Yeah, the cops would see you about eight o'clock at night and go. Where you living? I don't have. Get in the back, and they put you back of the police <laughs> car, and you'd spend the whole night in the back of the car in their shift. and They would let you out at six o'clock in the morning, but you'd tell them jokes and stuff, <laughs> which was worked against you because if they laughed, like a couple car? weeks later, two other cops, hey, you the guy that told the joke, yeah, get in the back, get in the back, <laughs> okay, hey, well, tell tell my part of the joke about the guy with the with the thing, <laughs> oh yeah, whatever it is, you know. So it was it was to me because you know at the time the hot book was. Ladies and gentlemen, Lenny Bruce. Right. And Lenny Bruce had died a few years earlier. 66, I think. 66. 69, 69 yeah, si- maybe. 66. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like strippers and comedy and yeah. the underbelly, the seedy underbelly of New York. It just yeah. seemed like the hippest, coolest yeah. place in the world to yeah. be. Yeah. I used to work Broadway burlesque, which yeah. was a strip joint. And it was just the seediest place place. And uh, there, there used to be a stripper named Silver Moon who was yeah. a gymnast who had the most incredible body. And she would practice all day twirling six guns and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. You think the guys will like this? I go, <laughs> yeah, that really doesn't. Not, really doesn't <laughs> and then I saw her 10 years later and she yeah. looked 55 years old, you know, living on that stripper diet of Reese's peanut butter cups and pizza slices and grape juice. And mm-hmm. it, it just grape soda it's just crazy yeah it was just but it seemed like a really romantic cool dark and underbelly kind of a lifestyle which i like
0: and it and it is kind of
1: yeah it is it is
0: (laughs) so when you go out now like what do you how how many weeks are you out i do about 210 dates a year or something like that and do you you write all your own
1: shit still yeah for the most part sometimes people come up to you and give you something oh yeah yeah i mean you pay them yeah you pay them yeah um you know, I had somebody give me a great joke. Oh yeah, and I did it like three or four times, and then this is why you got to watch everybody. I watched Jim Jeffries, and I go, "Fuck
0: that! That's that's his joke." Oh, someone gave you Jim Jeffries. You know, joke. and
1: I called him up and I said, "Look, man, I I did this joke uh, two times. Once in Vegas." I had no idea. Oh, that's cool, man. Anyway, I said, look, it'll never happen again. I just <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I just
0: felt so bad. Yeah. So
1: now I just it's just from guys I know and or girls I
0: know, whoever I know. Or people that you uh, still work with guys that wrote for you for years sometimes? Once in a while guys send you something. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's fun. So two hundred so and what do you do you go regular down to the comedy magic club in Hermosa? Been to the comedy magic club every Sunday since seventy eight. Yeah, and that's still ongoing.
1: Yeah. I mean that's the only you know, I, I for some reason people find this fascinating. I always live on the money I made at a stand up. I never touched a dime. Well what are the, you gonna do with the other money tonight, Showman? I do a lot of you got philanthropic stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. You make enough it's my wife and I, please. I yeah. mean, it's not like I get Right. You know, we have got some scholarships. My wife works with uh Women of Afghanistan, you know, she's uh-huh. with the feminist majority, and they they try to, they smuggle girls out, and they give them educations here uh-huh. in America, and uh-huh. it, I mean, it's really satisfying. You meet these girls, yeah. and now they're 10 years later, they're women, and they're doctors, and they're lawyers. And oh, they're, it's beautiful. And you know, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And I, to me, I love being a comic. To me, it's the greatest job in show business. Yeah. You don't, you know, I have... If the gig's at eight o'clock, your plane lands at seven fifteen, you're at the club at quarter to eight and you go, fuck, I gotta kill fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know, everybody else, they gotta uh, bring the Teamsters, unload, you yeah, gotta yeah. sound check, yeah, the yeah. bass player's drunk again. Oh yeah. see another bass player, see if we can find somebody. You know, I don't you don't have any of those problems. Yeah, well.
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You write
1: joke, tell joke. Get
0: Check. Yeah. It's real simple. Get laugh, then get checked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah, or not go back. But
1: you know, it's so much fun just to craft a joke oh, on yeah. the road. Yeah. You know, I was trying to yeah. come up with something with the school shootings. You uh-huh. know? I'm thinking, how do you do a joke about that? Right. Let's see if you like this one. Okay. You know, Trump said he wants to uh, arm the teachers. Have they thought this through? Like the school librarian. Would her gun have to have a silencer? Uh. Like, shh, poof, shh. You know, <laughs> just... <laughs> It, did that work? It works, actually. <laughs> and I always say to the audience, you're <laughs> laughing at school shooting. You know how hard it is to write a school <laughs> shooting joke? Yeah. But there's a great sense of accomplishment when you have a joke that's actually- Oh, yeah, when well, I mean, you're
0: challenged by the, the- I mean, to
1: me, I will do an hour Horror just, of the news. Yeah, just to try out one line. You know? So it's still pretty pretty topical? So your, pretty, uh, uh, your turnover is pretty- No, it's what you call evergreen topical. Because most people don't know anything. I learned on The Tonight Show, yeah. once you get past Secretary of State, yeah. nobody has any idea who okay. you're talking about. Talking about, they just don't know anything. It's sad, isn't it? So you have to talk about how about the economy, yeah, yeah, and Congress, you know, because on the Tonight Show, a joke that killed on Monday by Friday, who was that again? That was, you know.
0: Oh, and now it's got to be so exhausting. Just like it's just it's a dump truck full of shit every day.
1: Yeah, and you know, you know, to me it's funny because back I I did it when Bush was dumb and Clinton was horny, and it was just easier. You know, comedy comes from a certain conservative place and then it's outrageous when you cross the line but when the president's banging hookers and saying africa's a shithole where, where, where do you go how do you make that funnier yeah what's
0: how do you exaggerate well that? now it's like sort of on these guys you know like it's sort of impressive like kimmel and colbert you know, so, they've uh, got to hold the line kimmel There's, colbert I, I, they're, I they're actually serving as a as a check on the yeah, executive power yeah samantha b yeah yeah sure. Trevor, Jimmy and now, also uh, and now Michelle.
1: Yeah, Michelle will. I mean, I Jimmy think Jimmy came around. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. it's well. You know, I you can't blame Jimmy. I don't blame it, him because it's the Tonight Show. It's the mainstream yeah. show.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like yeah. uh, going on with him. I like going on with all the guys. Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's tough to write a different version of the same joke every night. Everyone, there's and so many And I don't say places. that insultingly. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's just basically, what did Trump do? What?
0: Right. And you got what? in every one of the shows, it's got a dozen guys sitting there churning out monologue jokes yeah. you're going down the like you know yeah and
1: like now when you go on the road if people don't like your politics they yeah. don't like your yeah. act i mean that's why i really enjoyed seinfeld's last next 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 special because what, it's just with him going over his joke. old bits yeah here's, here's a bunch of junk yeah here's a bunch of jug. oh thank you i don't have to commit to a, yeah. a point of view yeah i don't have to tell you my opinion i just here to laugh you know
0: yeah i don't know what's going on inside that guy With Jerry, yeah, I mean, I I get more of an I get I get a sense of you, but like because like his point of view is very specifically mundane. They're sort of elaborating on these little things, but like I don't know what I don't know what that guy is. There's one moment when on Comedians and Cars when Shanling's with him. Yeah. And Shanling says to him, they obviously love each other, and Shanling says, he seem very angry. And there was a moment on Seinfeld's face where I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, mean. I know what you
1: mean. I know yeah, what you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, Seinfeld and I, when we talk on the phone, we each come away with something funny. Oh,
0: yeah, I yeah. bet. I bet. You guys are it's real just, joke it, guys. It really it really makes me laugh. You talk to him often? And
1: I always, I, you know, i yeah, I talk to him a lot. I always f- try to find the thing that makes... Oh, we were talking about, uh, uh, and this is not uh, Tignotero.
0: Yeah, uh, Tignotero. Yeah. Not- how do you say her name? Notero. Notero.
1: I'm sorry. And I said, I thought she's funny. I yeah. said, I don't know how she'd do in Vegas at the Sand and Gravel Convention, but I think you know it's sure. it's, it's, it's a point of view, and it's and you realize comic is very specific now yeah. for specific audiences you know we're sort of the old school you try to work every crowd you yeah. know I once booked myself into Oral Roberts University I, uh-huh. said, I just want to see if I could play this of see, course you could, right? see what they like yeah and all they said was no sex jokes you can do anything else. please don't do any sex jokes okay I signed a contract I got paid I went to it and you know, they were fine. Yeah. I mean, politics, everything else, just yeah. like anybody else. They just don't want any dick jokes. They yeah. don't want
0: any, you know, I'm right, sorry. Well, I remember when I interviewed Gallagher years ago and he walked out on me like, he. He before he walked out, when we were having a reasonable conversation, uh, he was talking about these people who come up on stage with their notebooks. You can't bring your notebook on stage if you're playing the state fair (laughs) in in Oklahoma or wherever it was. Like he was just making this point about like how don't you want to play a state fair? (laughs) And then you have that moment where you're like, no, I I don't want to. I don't want to play a state fair. I really, I don't need
1: (laughs) to. (laughs) Gallagher, you know, Gallagher ran for governor. Yeah, here. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: and w- when that whole thing was going on remember there was some stripper running when Schwarzenegger was oh yeah, and yeah. so we had all 50 candidates on yeah the stripper. So and Gallagher who was a, and Gallagher comes up he goes you know you got to put me on and talk I, go, I can't because it's equal time yeah you're Oh, and he was so mad at me. He goes, yeah. "No, you. Put, no, I can't because legally, if I give you five minutes, have the So we have all fifty. You, we had all fifty candidates in the audience, all answering the question at the same time, all just talking. All right, it's a know. bit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a bit. And Gallagher, no, let me talk. No, and he, I said, I can't. Don't you understand?
0: <laughs> and he hasn't spoken to me since. Do you walk out? Yeah, yes. yeah boy. I I mean, to your him. life is like a lot. I bet that's a real hit to take. Gallagher, not going <laughs> to well, talk to you anymore. Well, but you know, some good comic. Back yeah, in the day was he really good. Yeah, he he had before the props. It was he, always props.
1: There always props, but he always had funny stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, it was yeah. You know that everybody has that flash of brilliance. I don't know, and things happen along the way. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's you're too straight. You're too gay. You're too screwed up. You're too. But that initial, you know, that's what I like when I watch Michelle Wolf yeah. now. I I'm seeing. The prime. I'm yeah. seeing her really burning white hot. Yeah, and she has such fun doing it. I love watching a comedian who enjoys performing because she's she's got that big smile and and Nixon. Uh, Someone tells an asshole. Yeah, you know, and and she's she's laughing at her own joke and, and but in a good way. And yeah, and, and I, 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 I love to watch the joy of comics performing. I hate when people. Oh man, it sucks. Well,
0: me? that was the great thing about being at the store. It's like on any given night, you could just sit there. You know, and watch people when you work there.
1: I remember Newhart came in one night to see, I'm not yeah. going to say who it was, who it was a comedian who was a hot comedian.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Newhart's sitting there. And they go, please welcome Tom Sound The guy comes up, how you doing? Hey, where you from? Denver. Fuck Denver. Huge laugh. And Bob yeah. goes, I don't, I don't get it. I don't <laughs> get it. Then he says, where you from? Boston. Fuck Boston. Woo! <laughs> 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 and Bob yeah. goes, I don't get it. What am I, what, why, why is this a joke? I mean, it just really made me, he was one of them, Bob Newhart, nobody funny. <laughs> he's so
0: funny. good, he's so great.
1: You know what it is, it, he's like Letterman. He has yeah. that word, Yeah. He, had, he has a bit, it's so subtle. Yeah. It just killed me. I watched him one time. He used to do about the first astronaut to have extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial interaction in space. Yeah. Okay. So he's met the aliens and he's having a press conference and he's talking about it, you know. And a reporter says to him, how far ahead of us are these aliens? And Newhart says, about six weeks. <laughs> and you go, it's six weeks. You know, two weeks you can catch up to. Six months is too far away. But six weeks is just six enough weeks. that we'll never catch them. They'll always be just six weeks. And, and you know, something. And it was such a subtle... <laughs> Bob Newhart just a throwaway line yeah. just it was as light as a feather and it stayed in the air yeah. uh, you know and it, to uh. me I love watching when comics can do you know how I used Great. to like he's
0: got such a unique timing
1: Bob and Ray yeah yeah you yeah, know yeah. they had that sense of uh, right yeah yeah you know, I remember they used to have a bit about some guy wrote a book on the presidents and uh-huh. they were checking it for accuracy, and they said, now here you have a picture of Lincoln riding his inauguration in an automobile. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry about that. Well, they didn't have an you know, And they just have yeah, this yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. this goes off on a tangent. The just build. As, You know, I always like the disappearing dime trick more than the huge illusionist. Sure. Because the disappearing dime trick, it's right in front of you, and he's using his hands. You know? yeah. And when people can use words that way, like like, like Newhart, just, just talking, you know. Yeah. No funny costume, no funny face. Yeah. Just, just throw the word out there. You know? he's a, yeah,
0: and he's a great reactor, and great he can reactor. react to himself oh, like fantastic. that weird beat that he takes. is really Yeah, yeah, really funny. It really is man. All right, buddy. Well, that was great. I think that we had a good talk. Is that good for you? Yeah, was it good for you? You feel better?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's good. I, I, I always like you, Jay. I know. I, was, I always liked you. I thought you were funny. Uh, do you now? Did you ever like? Do, did you ever resolve anything with Conan, or is that just shit? No, I have no You yeah. know something?
1: I don't know. Yeah. To me, this is business. Right. Um, do you really get screwed by another performer? I mean, was I supposed to quit? Yeah. You know, one day I was in traffic, and I pull away, and this guy goes, beep! So he pulls up next to me, and I go, I'm sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut oh. you off. I, I looked in my rearview mirror, I didn't see you. He, goes, he didn't cut me off. What's the problem? You stole Conan's dream, man. And He starts screaming at me, and I go, <laughs> What, what you, I said, you want to pull over and talk about this? No, I don't, man. But you stole Conan's dream and just screaming. I go, okay. You want, you want to pull over, have a cup of coffee, and we talk? No, no, I'm not talking to you. And he took off. I went, all right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that was. And to me, it's a business yeah. decision, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, when they had the strike at the comedy store, there was a group of people that wanted all comics to get paid the same yeah. on gigs no matter what your talent. Well, it doesn't work that way. Right. It's a competitive society. The guy hits the most home runs gets the biggest contract. I mean, what are you doing?
0: What would you do on the strike? Were you on either side or were you... No,
1: I was I was with the comics. Yeah.
0: I, I, I don't want to say it
1: was... I mean, I remember asking, I think $25 seemed fair.
0: Yeah. And For, As opposed to not getting paid
1: at all. Not getting paid at all. Just $25 yeah, is yeah, sad. yeah. And Mitzi was so opposed. This was such a huge insult, and I think she was insulted. And it wasn't about the money. It was about the fact that this is a a school where you learn, right? But she Someone's was making, making money. Yeah. I mean, you had the Comedy Store, this Comedy Store South, the Comedy Store West, and Westwood. The comedy. There were comedy stores all over the place, and and they were doing huge business, and. They were the talk of you know, Johnny Carter. My next act comes from the Comedy Store, right? Here down in Los Angeles. You yeah. know, it was the perfect name, Comedy Store. Go there, yeah. buy comedy. Buses would pull up. I mean, making millions of dollars. And it didn't seem that outrageous to get $25. But the door was so slammed in our face. It really was, you know.
0: Yeah, it seemed weird.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it was weird. And I always, because I always liked Mitzi. She was always good to me. But yeah. she just couldn't. Let her comics go off, you know, the
0: old, if you love it, set it free, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. that silly thing. Or just work down the street, for fuck's sake. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's on fire again, dude. It's, like, crazy. Like, it's crazy busy there.
1: Good, good.
0: You should go over there, do a set, see what happens. Yeah, it'd be fun to do a set. I've
1: worked the Laugh Factory a couple of times. I yeah. like yeah. that, that's true. And Where'd I you work? This?
0: You worked all the rooms at the store, main room. I worked all the rooms, yeah. yeah. It was fun. Yeah. you yeah. Don't, Do you ever miss those times?
1: I miss the camaraderie that's what I think that TV show doesn't capture. It doesn't capture the real fun of it and you know the funniest thing about the TV show there's nothing harder than writing a joke. Yeah. You can write all the dramatic scenes you want to write, and to me that show should be filled with jokes. Right. Just constantly great jokes. Fun. You know the great thing about the old Dick Van Dyke show was they could do the bad jokes in the writer's room. Yeah. And then, how about this? You know, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't, and you knew it wasn't funny, but it was funny that they threw it out, you right. know? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what that show should have. Just the
0: bad jokes as well you know right but the good joke should be the actual show show right exactly yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah i don't know like you know like I, I have a weird history with that place and it doesn't go back that far but i sure th- it's the only place in town i'll work because i love it and, you know and i and and now it's like it's since we all got sort of behind it on social media she you know and the and you know they put some money into security and did new bathrooms and like you know it's a real well-managed joint now oh it's good great good. you know a lot of people are coming out that weren't there before that Never really worked there. I think Jerry did the first set. He'd ever done, maybe done one other one there. Mitzi didn't like Jerry. Yeah? She, I wonder why she is that go. is.
1: I think he was seen in an improv act. He was oh. an improv comic. You think, you think that was it? I think that might have been it. Plus, Jerry has always been his own man yeah. and does his own way. And yeah. if Mitzi ever said, Jerry, I think you should do it this way. No. <laughs> <That> <laughs> you is. know, Jerry's not a guy that's going to go, right. oh, okay, let me think about it. And then, you know, me, I would go, oh, well, you. that's a good suggestion. Fuck that, you know. And then I would just do what I. But, <laughs> right. like, you know, Jerry just right. kind of. No, I'm, that's not going to happen. Right, yeah. right, right. And I think she was she into the fact that he was a. F- See, he came out a fully formed comic. Yeah. So she couldn't mold him in any sense. Yeah. You know, most of the other comics are just, well, what's this? Lost and, people. Lost souls. Yeah, lost yeah. souls. Yeah, souls. Yeah. That's, that's why I, I like them all. You know, even the comics that I totally don't like me I I still like them because they're the only other people that have this, you, you have a shared experience. Yeah. It's like guys, you're in battle together or something, you're in yeah. war together. Sure. You
0: know what it's like. You got shot at. Who are your friends? Do you hang out with people? like comics or I see Jerry? Yeah, uh, Brogan and I work together all the time. Oh yeah, always oh, at Comedy
1: Magica. Uh, Billy Gardell. I, like. oh, yeah, I work yeah. with nice a lot guy. of. a yeah. yeah, great guy, yeah. really funny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. I like meeting new comics. It's yeah. just it's just funny to me. I see a lot of guys that are really really good men. Uh, yeah, and it's fun to see female comics now. I mean, I think it's. I don't know if it's totally equal, but it seems really damn close
0: at this point. Yeah, a lot of people coming in. There's a lot of. It just seems like a lot of people are getting into it. Which
1: you know, Ellen DeGeneres was the first one for me that. She didn't do a male or female act. She was just a comedian. I hate comedian. I yeah. hate that name. You're a, a comedian. a comic, okay? yeah. I mean, I, Ellen has bits I wish I had and I'd love to do. Yeah. And maybe she thinks that I have something she'd like. But you could do that. It's not gender. It's not right. the old Toadie feel. You like this, Dress?
0: You know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Show business. Good seeing you, Jay. You too. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I thought we covered it. I, I, it was great to see him. You know, he's he's Jay Leno, and he's a, he's a great comic, and uh, and we we talked about the stuff. Okay, we talked about it, and I feel good about it. And as he was leaving, he says, "Let me know. You know, anytime you want me to come back, I'll, I'll come back, I'll come back. Anytime you want me to come back." And while you're still listening to the end of this show, go check out our new WTF t-shirts at podswag.com slash WTF or the merch page at WTFpod.com. And know that uh, but I really love the the multicolor 3D one. So go get one. You can wear it and have people ask, what is that thing? And and as a, a WTF, then you'll know. It's the old logo. Trippy, man. We also might be getting another one. I got Aaron Draplin involved. The fucking genius. The... uh the uh, the logo genius Aaron Draplin uh, is coming up with a, a, a very spectacular shirt uh, that I think we might uh, we might uh, premiere soon. Okay, all right. I got, I just got a whole shit ton of my uh, V picks. V picks. Uh, like I freaked out because now I now use a very very specific and fat pick. It's the Ed King signature pick. Uh, that like I got from v Now Ed King is the original guitar player for uh, Leonard Skinner. One of them, right? And I don't know. I you, you used to order them from v and you get a, a card signed by Ed King. And and these picks, apparently, he used to play with a shell, so they fashioned this like it's got to be a millimeter thick at least, or a millimeter and a half thick, with this sort of sanded edge to it, a giant triangle pick. And I started playing with them. They're hard as fuck. And I can't not have them now. And I just got a bag of them from Vinny over V Picks. because uh, they they said they were sold out on the site. So I had to email directly, and he got hold of me. And you know it, he made it happen, man. So I I just got to give him some props for that. If you want to check out, if you're a guitar player, you can go to v-picks.com, and uh, they got a lot of a lot of weird picks. But I used the red transparent Ed King signature pick with the sanded edges. And I'm going to play some guitar right now because that's what I do now.